0: I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting.
1: Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe.
0: Happy Monday, folks. We are coming to you on September 7th, the day after Labor Day, which is fabulous. For release next week which is September 13 oh my gosh yes uh, we had
1: a I hope everybody enjoyed their weekend and like we said before hopefully you were able if you didn't get three days I hope you at least got one or two to rest and
0: recharge absolutely did you do all of the canning in the world
1: <laughs> I totally forgot I even said we were going to do that <laughs> um no <laughs> um completely forgot about that idea and did not can at
0: all great great
1: but did have a (laughs) jam-packed family weekend
0: jam-packed but not canning
1: but oh Mm. um yes but not canning and uh had so much fun this weekend we're up in the mountains it's beautiful did this thing that i didn't know that i could do which is the manitou incline
0: that is legit well done
1: yeah if you're listening to this and you're like what check it out manitou incline it's um in manitou springs colorado and it's an old cog rail um like railroad and when they that's from, you know, hundreds of years ago or a hundred years ago. And <laughs> then they, when they got rid of they built a new one, the old one everybody started climbing the railroad ties all the way up. It's 2768 steps. Amazing. Straight up.
0: Did the yeah. kids do it with you?
1: Uh hell no. Okay. Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> There's no way. No way they would have done I mean, I saw a lot of kids doing it, but not mine. They wouldn't have done yeah, it. Yeah, no way. I do feel like I was bamboozled. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Gabriel, it was so funny because he kept asking me like 12 different times. Are you sure you want to do it? Are you sure you want to do it? I'm like, yeah, I want to do it. Then we get to the top. Took It me an hour and a half. That's amazing. And Good job. Thank you. And he's like, okay, are you ready for the four-mile hike down? Yeah. I didn't know about that. Oh, no. Oh, no. Didn't know about that. Yeah. Didn't know about that. So, It was a quiet drive home? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I would say, well, without getting too long and in-depth into my personal life, um, we finally did get back to the car, and we're heading back – to where our kids were, and um, we got hit by a travel trailer while parked in a gas station parking lot. Oh, gosh. Yeah.
0: What a way to end a trip.
1: it ended pretty abruptly, but you know what? Nobody was hurt. Um, Everybody's fine. The couple who were driving the travel trailer who had no idea that they were sideswiping my car. (laughs) Um, we're very lovely, apologetic people. We hugged it out, exchanged all the necessary information, (laughs) and we'll get it taken care of.
0: What a positive spin.
1: Yeah. What about you? How was your weekend? You also had family weekend.
0: Yeah. Um, as predicted, it was a shit show. Um, but we don't need to go into that. What I will say, though, um, so my family has relocated to a more rural place in Michigan than I grew up. So, half my family now lives in this town. I think the population is like 5,000. It's small. No
1: way. It's small. Really? Mm -hmm.
0: And so, there is no food delivery. There Mm. is one small grocery store, um, or you go 25 minutes away to like the big store in the next city over. Um, So, it's very small. And so, did you do any canning? Because it no. sounds
1: like that would be the perfect place to do some It candy. probably
0: would be. Um, but I, <laughs> so the grocery store, 25 minutes away, does use Instacart. So I had groceries delivered within an hour of me r- arriving to town. And uh, it definitely felt like the city girl just blew in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who's this coming up the driveway? Oh, don't worry about it, Grandma. It's just my groceries. It's just my groceries.
0: It, it really was like <laughs> that. But then, okay, so this was the funniest part. We've got all this family stuff going on. I told my grandma I'd run to the grocery store with her because she needed a couple things for the dinner she was putting together that night. And uh, I got hit on. (gasps) Oh, you still got it. I text my brother who lives in this small town. And I was like, am I an Allegan 8? (laughs) (laughs) Did I not know this? And he was like, oh, totally. I was like, good to know I've got a backup plan. Oh, how fun! I'm gonna have to get the details of that later. <laughs> so you know, uh, overall rough weekend, but that that's one shining little spot. And uh, I introduced my grandma to binging. Oh, um, I got like binge watching, gen- binge watching. Yeah, sorry, not okay. the eating disorder side of things. Um, <laughs> I Fair enough. I got her TV all set up because that's what I do. I come to town and I'm tech support for the weekend. Fix all yeah, the little are. things. Um, so I got her Roku all set up on her big TV and introduced her to the crown. She's a big, <gasps> big fan of the royal family. Like, I'm sure she got up in the middle of the night to watch the weddings, all of that. So we start it. I shit you not. This is literally the night before I leave. Nine o'clock. We finished the second episode and she turns to me and she goes, what if we did just one more? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> That's how it starts. I got her hooked, and uh, apparently, after I left yesterday, she watched three more episodes. So um, I'm feeling like she's in good hands now.
1: Oh my gosh! Give her my phone number because I will talk royal family with her all day. She would love that all day. <laughs> That's hysterical. Well, we have a surprise today. Well, not before the surprise. Look before at the you. Surprise. Look at
0: you. I wanna. I wanna make the space. Uh, well, and I have to tell you a little story before I give you today's joke. Um, we were supposed to do a picnic dinner one night. They've got like live music in the park kind of thing. And so we had all these little bags all prepped. And instead of like putting names or anything on them, I put a little punny joke on the outside of each. And then of course put the, she did the answer inside. Of course. Huge she did. hit. Huge hit. Um, To the point where my dad collected all the bags at the end of the day because he wanted to bring them into work and share them with his employees.
1: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's hysterical.
0: Um, But this is the one that uh, one of the kids in the family got, and they just loved it. I don't think they understood it. How much does it cost for a pirate to pierce his ears? How much? A buccaneer. (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, That's you. funny thank you. Thank
0: you.
1: Um, at first, I thought when you said that you don't think he understood it is because there was like a double entendre.
0: No, I just don't think many five-year-olds know what a buccaneer is.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I got it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so we have a surprise. We do have a surprise. We just we couldn't contain our board loathing in four episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so we decided to add a fifth episode. And Brittany, this was your idea. You you thought that there was a, a crucial component we left out.
1: Which is when you have a toxic board member
0: on your board, how do you get rid of them? Getting rid of board members. Whew. Yeah. Those are tough. Mm-hmm. That's tough. And we've definitely talked about toxic board members. Like this, Again, if you go back and listen to our episode about the different board personas, this isn't the board member who just like doesn't do the work, who doesn't right. show up. This is a truly toxic board member who is creating ineffective. Damaging. Damaging, yeah. Cultures and environments in board meetings. So Brittany, first off. Have you ever had to get rid of a board member?
1: No. I mean, okay, let me restate it. Have I ever worked somewhere that had a toxic, damaging board member on the board that should have been let go? Mm.
0: Yes. Uh, yes.
1: Was it done? No. No. Yep. And that's, I almost feel like we need to start there.
0: Good. Yep. Let's do it. Perfect.
1: Right. And that is giving organizations, um, nonprofit leaders, but board board members and board presidents, um, giving them the option. Like you can do it. Yeah. Permission, I guess, is what I was looking for.
0: Totally. Permission. permission. You have
1: permission. You have permission.
0: Well, yeah, like let's really empower board members around this because you know, you know who we're talking about, who sits on your yep. board right now and does this kind of thing. And you see it eking into the board operations and ineffectiveness. You got to do something about it because it will just keep getting worse.
1: Absolutely. And I would say
0: even more than permission, you, you have a duty. Yeah.
1: You have a duty to your mission. You really do. Um, into the organization and... Ultimately, to, yeah, to the mission, to what you're trying to do in the community is being impeded um, by somebody. It's it's really your responsibility to step up and have those difficult conversations.
0: Yes. And that, I think that's where it gets really hard. Like, there will be a difficult conversation. Hard stop. There's no way around that. I, I think too often nonprofits are like, well, there'll be a natural succession here. Let's let's just wait for the term to be up. Let's wait for this thing to happen. And it's like
1: they're a volunteer. Oh my god. They're a volunteer. We don't want to say anything because they're volunteering
0: their time. You know what? I've volun I've fired volunteers too. Like yeah. just because somebody is giving of their time doesn't mean it's what you need or want.
1: I'm gonna go so far as to say that if you're having the tough conversations from the start. Yes. Clear expectations like we talked about in our, our earlier episode with onboarding. Um, if you're having those tough conversations from the start, you may not have to get to this point. Yep. Because in my experience, the board members that have really gotten to the point that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. that are damaging and, and causing chaos, it's because nobody has had conversations with them a, the hundred times before that they overstepped their bounds.
0: Wholeheartedly. Yes, 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 yes. Right? A phone call from
1: the board president after a board meeting saying, hey, Janet, let's talk about what happened in the board meeting today Yeah, and the way you responded.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking of a situation now that happened. Um, and it was interesting because it was actually more of a succession assumption issue. Um, so this person was the vice chair of the board, and they assumed when officers switched, they would become chair. Right? Like, that's mm-hmm. that's the typical uh-huh. succession. Um, but they really were not a good leader. Um, mm-hmm. This person actually had a ton of other skills. Um you know, that could be leveraged for the organization. But just in terms of leading board meetings, there were two, I think, where the chair couldn't be there and this person had to step in and it was awful, like really, really bad. And instead of having those conversations, then instead of addressing it earlier to say, you know, we aren't doing direct succession to chair, we need to, you know, talk about what the organization needs and how that impacts board leadership, nobody did it. And this went on for months and months and months and months. And then when they finally did, and it was probably like a month before they were going to announce the new officer slate, it was devastating to this person who genuinely loved the organization and loved the mission. And I always, I mean, you know, hindsight 2020 and all, but I I just wonder if somebody had had that conversation up front and said, "Hey, this isn't how we want meetings to be run. This isn't how we create an inclusive environment. Let's talk through this. I wonder if that that person would have maybe even opted out by themselves. Yeah. Like just seeing, yeah, maybe I'm not a good fit for where the, the board's heading. I still want to be a board member, but I'm not going to be the chair. And instead, it became this massive, you know, blow up fissure within the board. They felt like they were getting pushed out. So did some of their friends. And so the, the board... You know, half the board resigned in pretty quick timing right then.
1: You know, <clears throat> it's just all interrelated. And so I, I don't want to go back to something we already talked about, but, but we have to. We have to. I just, it goes back to making those decisions, right? Like when it's, when you're trying to decide who should be the next board chair what does that conversation really look like? Yeah. And is it a robust conversation around what are the goals of the organization over the next year or two or however long that board chair's term is? And what are the skill set that we need in a chair to be able to lead the board through these goals? Yep. And now who potentially possesses those skills that's on the board? Because so much I feel like it revolves around, well, they've been on the board for three years. Yeah. Right? So it's like tenure. Like, totally. oh, they've been on the board for three years. And they have the capacity. Mm, fuck that. Right? Like, oh, they have the time to do that. So let's go ahead and give it to Cheryl. But Cheryl's not a leader. Not a leader. Mm-mm. And when you don't have a leader in that position, it's just, it trickles. Mm -hmm. It trickles down. And that's when you have board members behaving badly. You have staff members crying. Mm -hmm. Crying. And that's where I think I come back to and I get really passionate about this topic, you know, because sometimes we're told that we're too mean. Mm (laughs) About when we talk about board members, but again, I don't think you're still recognizing the power dynamic at play mm-hmm. and that we're talking about people being mistreated yeah. unprofessionally by volunteers. I have seen so many, I've been there too, crying, and you've got this dynamic with the CEO or the ED where. That's their boss. Yeah, like they can't. They can't be the ones to step forward. I mean, they should be. They should be able to do this, but oftentimes they don't feel like they have um, the space to do it. To say, "Hey, look, board chair, this board member down here is is being toxic. Yeah. What are you going to do about it?"
0: Totally. Well, and I think there's this. <laughs> You know, going back to the concern that folks have um, around boards, I this could just be because I think that our listeners are amazing. But if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably not this board member. Yeah. Because usually this board member is 100%. not doing that like self-analysis, you know, yeah. f- always checking in. How am I showing up in these spaces? How am I going to be a better board member? Like I'm going to listen to podcasts that make me a better board member. The really toxic ones – are usually Mm power-driven. They're there with their own agenda. And Mm -hmm. they're pretty oblivious to how they go about the world and how they impact others. So we're not talking to you on that piece. We might be talking to you about how to get rid of them. Yeah. Because you are the good board member who's going to protect your staff and the rest of the board because you're listening to this podcast.
1: Because what ultimately happens – When that board member's behavior is not addressed and they're not dismissed. Oh, it trickles everywhere.
0: Other board members leave. Exactly. The good ones. The ones you really want there. Totally. Okay, so have you ever been in a board meeting where, like, it came down to a bylaws vote on getting somebody off the board? No. I've only ever had. You have, though. Only once. Because usually, like, once that conversation finally happens, the person just leaves. Right? Like, it's yeah. it's embarrassing. Right. I mean, if the chair is sitting you down and saying, like, your behavior is inappropriate, we can't have you on this board anymore, do you really want to have to sit there and have a vote about it? Right. Right. It doesn't feel good. Uh, but yes, I did have it happen once.
1: So what was the situation? I mean, A... Did that conversation happen? And B, did the person double down and say, Well, I don't think I'm
0: being a problem? Yes, exactly. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, so uh, how do I tell this story in a way that's appropriate for broad audiences? Um, this was my board member when I was an executive director. And mm-hmm. it, you know, I'm, I'm going to be kind and say I think there were a lot of things going on in this person's personal life that was kind of amping up some really negative behaviors. Um, and this person had really stepped in in the interim space when they didn't have an executive director and so felt a lot of, I think, ownership over the organization and its yep. success. Um, when they hired me, she seemed very excited to work with me. We met, of course, a bunch of times. Um, but then I'm Started to make changes, you know, as a new leader does. Changes to the organization, changes to our programming, changes to our fundraising, and she didn't like them. Mm. And in order to deal with that, she um, decided to ask my staff if I was too young to be the executive director.
1: Stop it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, with the hopes of getting me fired. Stop
1: it. Mm-mm.
0: Uh, so I went to the attorney on the board and said, I have an EEOC complaint. Um, yep. You know, if they were to attempt to fire me, I would clearly have plenty of documentations about the discrimination, the ageism. Yep. Um, but this person also, like, th- their own trauma was all tied up in it. And so they would just spend hours waxing on to staff at board meetings, at committee meetings, about their own experiences. And it, it, was, it was way too much trauma exposure, but it ended up becoming really toxic. And they just, because of that experience, felt like they had the voice that needed to be heard on everything. Um, so the, the whistleblower complaint didn't go anywhere, which is another story for another day, because it should yeah. have. Um, but it just kept escalating. And escalating and escalating, and we got a new board chair in um, at the end of the year. You know, normal officer succession timing. And I went to them and I said, you know, I think this person is going to continue to cause issues for the board, and especially with you as board chair, is really going to cause you issues. And they didn't want to do anything about it. They didn't want to have that conversation. This person has, of provided so much benefit to our organization. They've been so dedicated. Blah 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 blah. Um, I sat down with them and I said, I think, you know, your time with the organization needs to come to a close. We'd love to see Ooh. you involved in these other ways.
1: You tried to have the conversation. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, didn't go well. A lot of tears, a lot of screaming. Um, and so finally, I had to take it to the executive committee and said, if you are not going to address this, I will be tendering my resignation. Oh. So they took a vote and uh, she had to leave. Wow. Yeah. That's
1: such a heavy story. There's so many different aspects of it. Dramatic, huh? Super dramatic. And look at what, you know, here you are, a new leader in this organization, and how much time and emotional bandwidth that probably took up with you when you really needed to be using that energy towards building up your staff. Yeah.
0: Well, it was interesting too, like on the board, we had a few other folks who were my age, which was a big shift for the organization because they usually didn't have younger folks on the board. And the shift we saw after that person left with those younger people finally voicing their opinions and Mm. getting engaged in things, it was like, oh my God, we went through hell and it was worth it now because look at the transformation through our board. Look at how we're able to just have new opinions and be an inclusive environment and people actually enjoy coming to board meetings again. And I always just wonder like if that had happened six months earlier, how much more the organization could have developed in that time?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like in these smaller organizations, um, the bigger the disruption, right? That when you have, uh, Someone like this and, and we talked about this in the last episode, I think, about boards who are part of um interim, like that are acting with interim EDs mm. and have a more engaged role yeah. and then aren't able to back out of it. Yep once they hire someone, mm-hmm. you know. Um but I feel like especially with these smaller organizations, it can just be uh devastating yeah. internally. Yeah.
0: Well, and again, now speaking to the listeners very specifically, if you are sitting on boards and you're wondering like what your role is in all of this, if you start to see this behavior, if you hear from staff that like they get really uncomfortable with board meetings, you can step up and help address that. Um, I'll never forget one of the boards I sat on. Um, I, I kind of knew the development staff a little bit. I was still getting to know the executive director. Uh, But the development director came to me after a board meeting and was like, hey, the way this person like talks about me, talks about fundraising, makes me really uncomfortable. Is there anything you can do? And so I called them up, you know, and I've got that peer relationship. You know, we both sit on the board. I wasn't the chair or anything like that. I was just another board member. Um, And we were able to have this conversation. And what ended up happening actually was really phenomenal because they realized how they were impacting these spaces and they they really had just been oblivious yeah and so then when i sat down i said hey this is what it's like to be a fundraiser here's all the things on their their minds and so when you come in and you're asking for 13 more reports or you're asking them to change this that or the other or you're even sending emails in the middle of the night with typos on a newsletter that went out here's the impact on them and why it's not helpful you have great ideas, so can we funnel it in this other way that might actually augment what the development director is doing? And after that conversation, it, w- it was like a changed man. I mean, the way this board member started engaging was so drastically different. And we had that conversation early, right? Like as yeah. soon as the development person brought it up to me, I reached out to him. We could have it from this peer and. In- environment. So it wasn't a staff member trying to address it with them. And it hadn't gotten to that that level where it was like, okay, either you resign or we're voting you out. Right. Right.
1: You know, I had to have that conversation with a board member as well. So the story you just told, were you the executive director? No, no. I was just another board member. Oh, you were just another board member. Yeah. Oh, that's even better. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know, It is so helpful to have somebody on your board that has worked in nonprofits, um, who can lend that lens and say, hold on, do you understand how this would impact staff? Mm -hmm. Or, hey, let's not create more work for them. You just have to be careful because then you might be recruited (laughs) to work for the organization. Um, I speak from experience, but, uh. I did, when I was a board member, um, before I became staff, I really I really felt like that was my role. Yeah. Right? And so I was constantly checking in with staff mm-hmm. and trying to feel like how they – see how they were doing, how they were feeling, and then trying to be that buffer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also been that buffer uh, as a development director to the staff that I supervise. Yeah. And I've had to have that comp- – I've had that conversation with board members who are going directly to my grants manager. Oof. Yeah. Like I show up and he's just there and he's standing at her desk trying to tell her how to do her job. Lock. Yeah. Um, Because he has some experience with grants at a federal level. Sure, sure, sure. Like many, many moons ago and that somehow makes him an expert. And so I did have to um, hold that boundary and say... Whoa, 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 whoa. If you have anything that you want to talk about grants wise, you talk to me about it. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't go. And that's again, not to impede access between staff and board, because I actually think we need more of that, right? But when it's not uh, helpful, mm-hmm. then yes, to be that buffer yeah. of you talk to me about it, don't bother them. They're doing their job. I'm their supervisor. If you think they should be doing something different, talk to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that that, too, is part of like senior leadership and nonprofits are kind of trained on how to navigate boards, mm-hmm. whether formally or not, mostly informally. But
1: mostly informally. Like I think
0: about the grants folks, the grants managers I've had, and they're they're young. They don't want to have to interact with boards like they nose the grindstone. Like, let, let's let just get some grants out the door. It's not fair to ask them to start having to navigate the waters of board-staff relationships without a supervisor there who actually is trained on that, who actually knows what the expectations are, and maybe even the the policies or procedures around it.
1: Absolutely. Well, and going back to the fact that if you don't address these things, um, you're going to lose good people. Yeah. And I think that's a sign. Yeah. If you start seeing people on your board – opting out, Mm -hmm. opting not to renew, um, that's a sign that there's something
0: going on. Well, and I think really an important thing for folks to know, if you have a board member who brings up an issue with another board member, they don't feel heard, this other board member is creating an unwelcoming environment, this person is saying sexist or racist or ageist things, and that doesn't get addressed, you will lose that board member. Mm Mm-hmm. I have been that board member who has left after raising my concerns and feeling like nobody in leadership really cared to do anything about it because this other person had money or power or whatever they had. And so they were there for a more valued board member than I was.
1: Yeah, I know. And that does such a disservice to the mission.
0: Exactly. I mean, again, that's where all this comes back to. What... What is in the best interests of the organization and the mission? What is going to allow you and your organization to flourish? And that is addressing these issues.
1: And, you know, we talked about it um, earlier about creating, uh, like, operating principles mm-hmm. for your board, which I think is great. Yeah. Or even just having values yeah. for the organization. Something that you can go back to when you're having these difficult conversations to see, to, to be able to say... Do, Can you see how maybe the way you responded wasn't in line with our values or wasn't in line with our
0: operating principles? Totally. My guess, too, is that if folks are listening to this and being like, wow, I have never had these situations, oh my gosh, it's because you actually have those things in place. Mm -hmm. You have open and transparent dialogue around values, around expectations and how people are going to show up and engage. You have discussions early about behaviors that aren't serving your mission. And so then it doesn't escalate to this level. And you're also probably vetting effectively, going back to our earlier message. Exactly. Yes. If you are that organization, we would love to hear that. Uh, I can only think of like a handful of boards where – like that side of things was really that smoothed out,
1: but we also want to hear <laughs> the other stories too. Of you know when you have maybe seen it go too far or someone's behavior um, get out of bounds, mm-hmm. and and what what were the ripple effects? Yeah that you noticed maybe you're a staff member maybe you're a fellow board member and I think that's true too is really I really want to empower board members even if you have just joined a board even if you're not an officer you're not on the executive committee you still have a voice on that board and um, I feel too often You know, people are saying, well, I'm just kind of getting used to this. Maybe it's my first time ever being on a board. I'm not really sure how this is supposed to work. But that seems really brash what that person was saying and unhelpful. And every time someone goes to speak their opinion, this person is shutting them down and not letting them talk. And so they just decide to disengage. Right? And I get it if it's not your fight that you want to fight. Mm -hmm. But – I also want to encourage you that if you feel passionately that something is happening within the board meetings that isn't fair or one person is dominating in a certain way, to voice that to your board chair.
0: Yeah. I mean, we we are also sharing these stories from the staff perspective. And it can feel really, really disempowering to like be experiencing these things, to be watching it happen and not have any board members standing up and saying this is wrong or we need to address this. So again, if you are that board member listening right now, you, you are fully allowed to bring up these concerns. Um, go check your bylaws. See what it takes to remove a board member and make sure that you know what that process would look like. Have those discussions early before it ever gets to that point. Um, and like Brittany said, you don't have to be an officer to make that happen. You could just be another board member. Yeah.
1: So send us your stories. We want to hear about them. We're getting ready to do a, a listener episode um, coming up real soon this month. So get them in quick.
0: Yeah. If you are listening to this on Monday the 13th, you basically have like an hour. Get it to me now. <laughs> Email us nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram at Nonprofit Reframe. And don't forget to support your local nonprofits. Give and give generously. Thanks, folks. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com and Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.